to see you guys this morning. Amen? Amen? Good to be here. This is a special day. I'm excited about this day. A lot of things going. This is sort of our transition day into the summer. And I am thankful that we're able to mark this day also uh, with a special service of installing our new student ministries pastor, Dustin Dupree. And so uh, when I spoke to Dustin about this day, I, I gave him the opportunity to extend an invite to a guest speaker, uh, someone that he admires in the faith, someone that he looks up to, and to bring a challenge not only to him in his new role and responsibility, but also to bring a challenge to us as a church family. Because as many of you understand, uh, it's important that we as the family of God stand with the men of God that God has called to us to shepherd us and to uh, work alongside of us. And, and we're thankful that God has called to us and brought to us Dustin and Flora and Eloise. And so we want to know how to biblically stand with them, support them, and labor with them. And so I'm excited also about the guests that he selected because I consider him a dear friend and good Amen. brother in the Amen. Lord. And uh, he's not new uh, to this church. You guys may recall him from three years ago. He was one of our keynote speakers at our apologetics conference. And, uh, and we're glad that uh, we've got him back here. And uh, I was talking to Brother Barry yesterday, and this is, there's a lot of things I, I love about Barry. We have a lot in common. <laughs> Uh, no, number one, uh, you know, I know y'all refer to LaGrange as it's L.A., and now I refer to LaGrange as home in L.A., but we also come from an L.A., Lower Ashburn. That's right, that's right. We, we, we grew up there, uh, and uh, so it was kind of neat. I actually did not meet Barry until I was a youth pastor in Salisbury, and he was our minister of music there, but developed a great friendship relationship. And not only... Does this man come from my hometown? He understands Sir Pizza Pizza, which is a hometown. It's kind of like Little Jays. LaGrange people understand Little Jays. We, we understand Sir Pizza. And uh, that's a commonality, and, and, and you've got to have it. you just got to have that connection. But I really love this guy because he also has another connection, and that is he is a Tar Heel fan. On my Tar Heels? <laughs> and in fact... When I heard about his screensaver, I said, well, this is just appropriate for today's installation service. Dustin is from Louisiana, for some of you who don't know that. And, uh, you know, we got to get them on board here in North Carolina. <laughs> and you notice up here, Dustin, that's, uh, yeah. That looks like LSU just got beat. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, no. Watch it now. You're in ECU territory. You might get in trouble. Don't worry, folks. I'll talk to him this week in the office. <laughs> but that's very screensaver. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Guys, this, listen, I, I can say this. Knowing both of them and knowing you, this is a great fit. This is a family. Church is about being a family. We don't turn our back on family. We love family. We stick together with family. And there's no greater family than the family of God. And so, with that said, I want to introduce my brother in the Lord, a man I admire and appreciate greatly, a good friend, Brother Barry McKenzie. And I'll let you tell, introduce your lovely wife, Tammy. Okay. They know her, too. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jeremy. It is good to be here with you this morning. Uh, we'll try to get everything straight up here and get a microphone 
reading on this, Jeremy said he was going to put me on the mic this morning. I generally don't have any trouble being heard. If you talk with our sound man at church, at my home church, he says, Barry, we have a special setting for you. It's off. <laughs> so I usually don't have trouble being heard. Uh, so we're, we'll get set here in just a second. It is a great honor and a great privilege for me to be here today to speak uh, at Dustin's installation service. I want to thank him for inviting me. It's gratifying to know that as a servant of the Lord, you've made an impression on somebody's life. And I appreciate it very much. I appreciate being here. I appreciate Brother Jeremy opening up his pulpit this morning for me. Those of you that have ever spoken and have taught the Word, and you know that when you've prepared and you're ready to go, and just that sense of joy, that sense of urgency that comes to when, when you're able to open up the Word to others, and to give up an opportunity like that and allow somebody else to stand in your place. I understand how difficult that is sometimes. I hate it when I'm not teaching Sunday school class. I'm sitting there just... Next time, Lord, next time, I'm, re- I'm ready. Let me, I got, let me teach something, Lord, let me teach something. I, Brother Jeremy said I was, I was the minister of music at Maranatha Bible Church and another church after that. I'm not currently. Um, in between the time that I was last with you and uh, this time, I had a, an accident at work and hurt my back, and uh, that kind of put me out of the field of employment that I was in. So I've been retraining in IT for the past two years or so. Um, and so that's where my focus has been. I've got to get retrained in a field that doesn't require heavy lifting, and I've got to get a job. So that's, that's kind of where my focus has been, been at. But still, still ministering at our church, still helping in the music department, and still teaching Sunday school. And I can tell you that the older I have gotten, more than anything else, the most delightful thing that I do is open up the Word of God and teach to others. I don't have any bigger joy in my life than when when I'm doing this right here. And Brother Jeremy, Brother Hightower can tell you about that. It's a joy, but it's a tremendous responsibility at the same time. The Scripture tells us, be not many teachers, because yours is the greater condemnation. Why? Because if you presume to stand up here and open this book and say, Thus saith the Lord, you better have a pretty good idea of what God said before you ever utter those words. It's a tremendous responsibility to stand up here and to open the Word of God to you. But it's a great joy. And it's, and it's great to see dust. And we have known these families for about, I would say, 15 years or better now. And it's just been a real joy to, to, to know Jeremy and his family. If you guys don't know it yet, these are special people. We love them to death. The miles and the years have not diminished that love. We, we'd, be, we'd be with them more often if we could. Same thing with the Duprees. Love them to death. They, they are just special people too. Any family is special that has an uncle and a brother-in-law that's less than two years old. I mean, you know, that's, that, you just don't see that every day. 
you know, Crystal, Crystal's got a brother-in-law that, that's, he's, he's just a year old toddling around there, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, somebody's going to wind up their own grandpa in that group over there <laughs> at, at some point, I'm convinced of that, but they, they're, they're, friend, they're a special family, their friendship has meant just, we can't, we can't begin to it, my wife and I, Tammy, I almost forgot to introduce her, that, wave at everyone, hun, there she is. You know, the, the standard jokes, my first wife, my current wife, she's both of those. She's my only wife and has been for the past 23 years. I thank God for her. I couldn't have picked a better one. I spent your, Lord, don't give me an ugly one. <laughs> you know? He blessed me with someone who was beautiful outside and inside as well. And, and I can't thank him enough for it. And we have appreciated the friendship of these two families so much. Um, we've been able to watch Dustin grow up, go from a young man who was going to be in forestry at one time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was going, he was going to be a forest ranger. Yeah. And, and nothing wrong with that, but it's just been, it's been great to see how God has worked in his life. He's called him to full-time Christian service, and Dustin has pursued that. He's graduated. He's got a lovely family now. We've known Flora for a few years, and and Eloise is just the cutest thing in the world. Oh, my goodness, she'll melt your heart, you know, you get around these little ones like that. We appreciate them so much, and I wanted to be very precise, very heartfelt in the words I spoke today. Today, Dustin is on, on the brink of a new ministry. He's graduated Bible college, stepping out into his first ministry in, in life. And I was thinking way back when I was doing the same thing. I said, what would I want somebody to tell me? What, what scripture would I think about? What would I want somebody to tell me at this cusp in life once again? I started thinking along the lines of the great... Uh, mentoring pairs that we see in Scripture, Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy, the older men who were teaching the younger men so that they could become leaders in their own right. I spent a lot of time going back through the pastoral epistles again, First and Second Timothy and Titus. What did Paul have to say to that young man about the ministry that God had placed him in, had called him to, and how would he have him carry out this ministry. I also thought, what did I wish that someone would have told me and didn't 25 years ago about what I was getting myself into? And so with those thoughts in mind, I have some heartfelt thoughts For Dustin and for you as a church this morning, I have some thoughts I hope that will edify all of us. I've tried to get them in in an outline that you can hopefully remember uh, very easily. I've tried to alliterate my points like a good speaker does. You know, they, they try to teach you that sort of thing, and I'm not really good at it. And then somebody on Facebook the other week sent me a uh, sent me a list that said rules to write gooder by, you know, and then it says, and the first one was at the top of the list was absolutely avoid alliteration, always. So, you know, may, maybe I broke that rule this morning, but I have, I have three lines of thought that I want to share with you, share with Dustin 
this morning. And as we go into those, let's bow in a word of prayer once again. Let's ask the Lord to bless the, the, the teaching of His Word and, let, and that it will work its way into our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank You this morning for the tremendous privilege, Lord, and the tremendous responsibility of teaching Your Word. Father, uh, I'm not worthy. But I thank you that you've made me a child of yours and that you've given me a love for your word. And Father, that you've allowed me to speak this this morning. I thank you for Dustin and his family and their willingness to serve you. And I thank you for this church, Lord, and for the people here who love you and want to serve you. Father, take these words as I speak them this morning. Use them through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we'll hear them and that we'll listen, Lord. And not only listen, but we will be changed, Father, Be made more like Jesus Christ and be doers of the word and examples of his. And Father, we ask that you'll you'll carry that out for your name and for your glory this morning. Amen. My first point this morning that I have for Dustin is, I entitled this, Be Ardent on Behalf of Your Youth. Be Ardent, Be Passionate on Behalf of Your Youth. Now, when we start talking about the youth ministry and, and how it is working in the church in America today, um, how our churches are responding to youth, you know, sometimes those of us who are a little past youth, we've crossed 50, y'all, you know. It's just, it's just things don't work as fast as they used to. They just don't move as fast as they used to. But sometimes we, you know, we thought, oh boy, the youth again, you know. How about something for us adults? And I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, in the, as I look at the church today, I'm, I'm going to give you this little caveat first, and then we're going to talk about the youth ministry. As I look at the church today now, and it's a result, I think, of letting American culture infect the church rather than the church infecting American culture like it should. But there is, there is a youth-driven culture in our country. You know, that's where all the music is pointed to. All the entertainment is pointed to. It's youth, youth, youth. Why? Because they've got money, money, money that we want them to spend and we want them to bug their parents to spend their money on the latest thing that they've just got to have and everything. And it comes into the church. We've got to have this and the youth's got to do this. That's not exactly what you see in Scripture, and it's not exactly what you see in other cultures where there is a reverence for age and wisdom, where supposedly, as you've grown, you've become wiser, you've grown up in the Lord, you've grown in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you're to be exemplifying that to the young people, And you should be having Timothys of your own that you are raising up to be leaders when you are gone. Because if the Lord Jesus tarries, we're just not going to be here one day. And one of the greatest things that we want to do is pass our salvation and pass our Christian values and pass our Christian walk down to our young people. That that requires those of us who are grown in the faith to model and to... Transmit that. And that should be focused on 
as well. We're all important in God's sight. Every one of us. I don't care what your age is. And I want to say that in the most positive way I can this morning. And it doesn't matter which side of the cross you're on either. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus this morning, let me tell you something. God loves you. He loves you so much that in your hell-bound, lost, sinful condition, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that you could be redeemed and be His child and be restored to Him. That's how much God loves you. God loves you because regardless of where you are, you are made in His image. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what color you are, what you look like, whether you're male, female, what your hair color is, you don't have any hair at all. God, you have value because God made you in His image. If you're here this morning breathing His good air, it's because God wanted you here. God is the giver of life. He's the source of life. And if you have life this morning, it's because He wanted you to have life. He desired for you to be here. And he, if you're here, He has a purpose for you. God wants you here. He wants you to know His Son. And if we're on the other side of the cross, you're important to Him because if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, every one of you is God's child. And go through John chapter 14 through 17 and see how much God loves you as His child. Jesus, Jesus Christ says, I have loved you with the love that the fathers loved me. Jesus loves you as much as God loves you. And Jesus told us that God has loved you too. And He's loved you so much, John 14, 23, Jesus says, If any man loves me, he will keep my commandments. And if you love me, if he loves me, my Father will love him also, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. God wants to dwell in your heart with his Son this morning. That's how much he loves you. So all of us are important in God's sight, and we can't, can't lose sight about that. Now, having said all of that, y'all, there are some things about the youth ministry, some cold, hard facts about the youth ministry and the importance, the importance of the youth ministry that absolutely cannot be denied. And I want to bring that home in a very visceral way to you this morning. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'm going to ask for a show of hands this morning because I want to make a point. I'm going to ask for a show of hands. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. I don't want you to raise your hand if you don't want to or should not raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want everybody looking around. I want you to see this this morning. What I'm going to ask you to do is everyone who knows for a fact that they are a born-again child of God, you, have, you know for a fact that you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You are saved on your way, a child of God this morning. I want to see your hand this morning. Put them up, leave them up. Okay? Now, leaving your hands up, all of you that were saved before you were 12 years old, put your hands down. And everybody else, leave them up. Now, people, look around. Look. Okay? All of you that were saved before you were 18 years old, put your hands down. Look. 
look. 25. Put your hands down. You were saved before you were 25. Okay, now those of you that still have your hands up, don't be embarrassed. Thank God you came to the cross, okay? You can put your hands down. But did you see how many hands were left? I counted three out of this whole crowd. And that just shows that you're pretty much indicative of what, of what studies have proven this morning that folks, most people who come to the Lord come young. Now praise God that those of you who got saved older did. We're not, we're not suggesting in the least that you stop evangelizing adults. But most people who come to the Lord come young. Most people who make decisions for the Lord's service make them young. So it's a very important time in which we need to be dealing with young people because that's simply the best time to get them, to get them to look at the claims of Jesus Christ and to invite Him into their life. It's also a time when they need to be trained in the fundamentals of the faith and they need to be solid in the fundamentals of the faith. If you've ever read Ken Ham's book, Already Gone, We've been blaming for years liberal colleges for stealing our young people. For we, we send our young people off to these liberal colleges and they twist their faith and the young people leave their faith. That's true to an extent. But what Ken Ham is finding in his research is that it's not necessarily that the liberal colleges are doing the job of turning our young people away from the faith. They're just finishing it off. Because the deep questions that all of us seek answers for, who am I? Why am I here? Who is God? Does He really exist? What does He want from me? Those questions start young. They start as early as junior high. They're certainly there by the time that, these, that our young people are in high school. And if we do not have a ready defense, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, or 2 Peter 3.15, if we don't have a ready defense for the hope that is within us, and if we do not have answers from the Word of God for these young people who are asking all of these deep questions that all of us ask during our life, and we don't have answers, they're just more susceptible to drifting from the faith. And the liberal college only finishes off the thoughts that they had already had. That's another reason we need to focus on on working with our young people, instilling those biblical fundamentals in them. Finally, we are physically, in our day and age, losing our young people at a rate greater than we ever had. We're having a youth crusade at our church back home. Evangelist Ron DeGard is there and we've had a week-long time of trying to get teens in and come to these events where they, they can have fun. It's called the Cola Wars. I'm not sure how all that works out, but it's Pepsi versus Coke. And, you know, we got there, we play games and, and all like that. And we have food and fun, but yes, but there is the ministry to these people where they are presented with the claims of Jesus Christ. And young people are looking for something. Ron DeGard told us in his introductory message the other week, the number two killer of young people in our nation today is suicide. Now, you wouldn't think that it would be something like that, but it is. Number two, one 
in three, according to the studies that he's read, one young person in three has thought about it. One in seven will try it and succeed. And that works out to a tremendous number of young people. They've lost hope. They feel hopeless in our pleasure-mad society, Josh McDowell talks about it, and Jeremy said, you've just gone through the unspeakable truth in one of your Sunday school classes. I've just gotten this book, and I'm starting through it. But one of the things that has struck me, because it's so descriptive of America, he quotes Ravi Zacharias, quoting G.K. Chesterton, which is a long way, but this, this really hit me talking about our society today, with shopping and surfing available 24 hours a day, young adults believe they can have whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and with whomever they want to have it, nothing more than a few clicks away. But here's the paradox. When there is nothing more to see or do, there is nothing more to look forward to. It's easy to see why surveys of young adults pick up high levels of hopelessness, distrust, cynicism and boredom, this unceasing access to pleasure and the consequent unhappiness led evangelist Ravi Zacharias to reference G.K. Chesterton in saying that meaninglessness ultimately comes not from being weary of pain, but weary of pleasure. And that just echoes the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes from 3,000 years ago. Solomon, if you'll read that book, he says, I did not deny anything that my eye beheld or that my hand could do. I got me manservants. I got me maidservants. I got me musicians. I got me singers. I built cities. I went through this whole list that he went through. There was nothing that he denied himself. Any of the thing that was in the reach of his hand, he did. And what was the conclusion? Vanity of vanities all is vanity. And that's our society. You can have anything. Internet, 24 hours a day. Get it now. McDonald's is open 24-7. Want a Big Mac at midnight? Go get it. But everything, we can have anything we want, but when you're done getting everything you want, what's left? The same questions that were there before. Who am I? Why am I here? Where's God? What does He want me to do? Is there a purpose to my life? Dustin, you've got a tremendous responsibility, buddy. You've got a great thing, a great opportunity laid in front of you, but tremendous responsibility. Be passionate about young people. I know you are, but I'm just going to remind you of that. Be passionate about young people this morning. And become passionate to young people. Some of the young people you may deal with might look a little funny. They might not all look the same. They might be a different color. They might come from a social economic background that's not the same as yours. They might have piercings here that are so big you could hang your dry cleaning in them. <laughs> but the point is, these young people def definitely and need the Lord so bad. And what was our Lord Jesus' reaction to people? Mark chapter 10, he, the Lord Jesus is teaching. 
He's over there teaching, and women and fathers and families are trying to bring their, young, their little children, and it could include young adults, the word that's used for child. They're, they're trying to bring their young people to Jesus so that He could touch them, just lay His hands on them. And Jesus is teaching, and the disciples are trying to prevent them from bringing their young people to Jesus. And Jesus, the, the Greek words there are very strong. It says, Jesus was grieved within Himself. It caused Him pain, and He was sore distressed. And I can just picture it, our Lord is over there. Blessed are, the, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. Blessed are, are, the, are the... Hey, 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 hey! Cut it out! Stop! Don't stop those little ones from coming to me. This is what the kingdom of heaven is all about, because if you can't become like one of these little children and come to me, you will in no way see the kingdom of heaven. And I can't, I can't say these verses without crying because I want Jesus to scoop me up just like He did those little children. Scoop them up in His arms. Sit them on His lap. And He blessed them. That was our Lord Jesus' attitude towards the young. Have that same attitude, Dustin. Have it. Church, you get behind Him. He can't do it alone. He's here to lead a ministry. He cannot do it alone. He needs you praying for Him. He needs your help and support. He needs you to parent as a believer. He can't raise your children for you. The Bible tells us as parents to train up children in the way they should go. Start young. Start early. Train them. And Ephesians 6, 4 Raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's our responsibility. The beginning of that verse says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Men, be men of God in your homes. Be the kind of men in your homes that you should be. Lead your home spiritually. Point your children to the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk in His way. That's Dustin's job. That's your job. Because our youth, we're losing them. We need to save them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, my point is for Dustin this morning, don't be arrogant because of your youth. Now, Dustin's not an arrogant guy, okay? I'm not saying he's got a pride issue that he needs to work on. But here he is. Fresh out of Bible college. I remember those days. I was young. I had energy back then. Felt good. I can do anything. I've been studying for five years. I've got it. I'm going to step out here. I'm going to take the Christian world by storm. <laughs> oh, you fool, you fool, you fool. This is something I wish someone had told me when I was, when I was Dustin's age. Bible college can't teach you everything, bud. It can't. Much as they try, it can't. And Jeremy and anyone else that's been in ministry can testify to this. They cannot possibly prepare you for every situation that you are going to run into out here in ministry. You don't know everything. How do I know that? They've only got one child. 
Wait till number two comes along. <laughs> it's really going to get interesting about the... <laughs> oh, me. But no, only the Lord God knows all. And you, you, have, you have to gain experience. But the thing about that is God's made provision for that in His Word. He's told us to get the counsel of wise men. Don't be like Rehoboam in 1 Kings 12. How do I answer these people? He goes to the old men and says, Be a servant to them. Be a t- lighten the load of your father. They'll serve you the rest of your life. Go to the young men. Ah, my father whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. Ah, you thought my father was bad. Wait till you get a hold of me. And he split the kingdom. But the point is, there were wise men there with wise counsel. There are wise men here with wise counsel. God has designed the church to function like that. God tells us in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and following, that He has given us gifts in Christ. And part of those gifts are not just spiritual gifts. They are gifted people that He has given us. He's given us apostles. He's given us pastor teachers. He's given us evangelists and prophets. Why? To prepare the people of God to do the work of the ministry. These people are here not only to minister to you, but to prepare you for your own ministry. Every one of you in here that's saved this morning has a gift. 1 Peter chapter 4, let every one of you in so much that each man has received a gift, use it in the building up of the body of Christ. You've got a gift and God expects you to use it and God's given men to train you and to edify you into using that gift. We talked about earlier the examples of Moses and Joshua. Joshua served under Moses for years before he was the leader. In Israel, Elijah and Elisha, I love them because there's one phrase that sticks out in my mind about Elijah and Elisha, and it's one where our modern translations really mess it up. I know they're trying to get the essence of what Elisha was doing, but sometimes you'll you'll read when it says that here here, here comes Elisha, the one that was Elijah's personal assistant. And he may very well have been that. But the, the, at least the King James text, when it reads, it says, Here comes Elisha, he who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Think about that for a minute. There was a servant. And there was a servant who, while he was learning, was willing to do whatever it took that his teacher needed, including and up to getting the water so Elijah could do his washing for meals and washing for his rituals. And Elisha was willing to to do that. You've got godly men here, Dustin. Use their brains. Don't be afraid to borrow brains. And I challenge the godly men here. I'll be specific this morning, Pastor Jeremy. Pastor Dean, deacons, even though I may not know some of your names, mentor this young man. Mentor him. That's the Bible way. I don't see it in our churches a whole lot today. And I've heard also, well, it, you know, we've got, we're so busy. 
And it takes so much time. And maybe we're too busy. And yes, it does take time. You have to sit down and spend time and learn each other and know. But you want to be in obedience to that passage in 2 Timothy where, where Paul tells Timothy, the things that you, have, that you have heard from me, heard from me, commit thou unto faithful men so that they may teach others also. Men, pass the torch. Pass the torch. That's, that's why God has called us here. So mentor him. Help him. Don't, well, he'll figure it out. That's how I did it. Nobody showed me how to do it. So he'll figure it out. That's not the Bible way. I asked a pastor about that one day. He said, well, people just don't do that. It doesn't matter if people just don't do that. That's the Bible way. Mentor him. Be there to help him. Dustin, this is going to sound a little funny in a challenge today, but give yourself permission to fail. Because you're going to. At some point. Now, we, now failing is not being a failure, okay? That's two different things. He's going to fail. How do I know that? How'd y'all do last week? Everybody do everything perfect? No. You, you made some mistakes. If we're honest, we committed some sins. How do I know that? First John. If we say we have no sin, the truth's not in us. And we're a liar. <laughs> so we all messed up last week, didn't we? We wanted mercy when we messed up, didn't we? We wanted help and we wanted forgiveness. Now, you know, hopefully Dustin's not going to do anything that's going to put this church on the, on the 11 o'clock news in that category or anything like that. But the thing of the matter is, you allow him that same opportunity as well. And when, and, and when you do have a problem, approach it biblically. If you have a problem with Dustin, go to Dustin and talk to him about it. Do not, number one, go home and have fried Dustin for Sunday lunch. Okay? That's not the Bible way. The Bible way is if you have a problem with someone, Matthew 18, you go to them. You go and talk to him about it. Don't go talk to Pastor Jeremy about Dustin. I know Jeremy. I know what Jeremy's going to do. Well, Pastor, he just, and he, 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 uh, uh, have you talked to Dustin about this yet? No, his office is right back there. Because that's how we do it. Matthew, our Lord Jesus Christ told us in that passage in Matthew 18 that, and Matthew 5 as well, that if you're going to make your offering to God, and if you know that your brother has ought against you, it turns the table on you. He said, stop, set your offering down, go be reconciled to your brother, then come present your offering to the Lord. If you have an issue, work it out with him. Go to him and work with him. That's the Bible way. Ladies, you can teach Flora the same way. 
You know, I've, I've left her out of this until this point. But Paul tells us in Titus that the older women are supposed to teach the younger women. Teach them how to set up a godly home. Teach them how to respect their husbands. You can be an influence to her. Like we said, they've only got one kid right now. What's going to happen when number two comes along? And they're both crying at the same time. <laughs> Dustin's nowhere to be found. How do you handle that? She could use some advice. Some of you have experienced that, haven't you? You can, you can teach her that. You can teach her your spiritual experience. They are both here. They need to be mentored. And when there are problems, go to them, resolve it, grow. Grow from that. Let them learn from that. You learn from that and grow. And then you encourage them. Deuteronomy 3.28, the Lord commanded Moses, says, now you go to Joshua. You encourage him. You strengthen him in preparation for this work he's about to do. Romans 14.19, I'm going to turn to because I don't want to misquote it this morning. But 14.19, so then let us pursue... And that word in the Scripture, when you see that, y'all, it means chase it down hard. This is just not something we passively do. Chase this down hard. Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Encourage them in their work. When they do something well, tell them. This side of the grave. You know, we, get, we, get, we hear about a lot of people, you know, standing at caskets. I wish I'd have told them this while, we were, while they were still with us. Well, why didn't you? You hear about business people who, I wish I had spent, le- lying on their deathbed, I wish that I had spent less time at the office and more time with my family. Well, you know the only way to do that? Start spending time with your family right now. Because that's the only way you won't have that regret. Encourage Dustin and Flora right now. Build them up and encourage them in the Lord. Point number three, and we're almost done. Dustin, do not be ashamed of your youth. Paul told that to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in love, in faith, in purity. This is the best time in your life to live for the Lord right now. You're young, you've got energy, you've got all these visions and dreams. You can can serve the Lord in so many ways right now. And you can, even though you're young, you may not have all the experience, you can still walk as an example of Jesus Christ. He's made you a child of light. Walk like a child of light. Exemplify personal holiness in your own life. God's only got one standard for His children, church. You know, we think so. Well, I ain't got to live like that because I'm not a pastor or I'm not a missionary. Well, I ain't got to do it. No, 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 no. God has one standard for His children. Be ye holy because I am holy. That's God's standard for every one of us. Exemplify that in in your life. Be patient. Be kind. Be gentle. We were talking at supper last night, you know, about Dustin's kind of a laid-back guy. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, gang, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. 
And we as Americans kind of lose sight of that some because we're Americans and doggone it, nobody's going to tell us anything. And if you do tell me anything, I don't have to take it because I'm an American. I'm going to tell you what I'm going But gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And that gentleness does not mean weak, everybody. We equate those two sometimes. Gentleness and meekness, especially meekness, meekness is strength under control. And God wants you to exemplify that. And in your dealings with other people, He wants you to be gentle and patient. 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, some of my favorite verses that I use in reference to apologetics. And when you're dealing with people who have been trapped by Satan, it says, And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Not just when things are going well, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Dustin, there are people that that by your gentle spirit in dealing with them, God is going to enable you to pull back from the fires of hell because you were understanding and kind and patient with them and showed them Christ's love. And you can do that through as even as a young person through His Spirit. You can model a Christian home. You can model what a Christian home should be to other people in the church. To your young people, your relationship with Flora can be a model of the relationship that some of these young people are seeking. Be an example to those young believers that way. Make time for Flora and Eloise. It's easy in the ministry to get caught, caught up in good things. I'm busy. I got to, we got camp coming up. I got to get the van gassed. I got to get this form out. I got to get, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. Don't forget those two. There's, one of you, there's your prime relationship next to the Lord right there. Don't forget her. Don't forget Eloise. Exemplify that in your home. You don't want to spend, you don't want to be like Eli and like Samuel and like David who spent so many other, so much time ministering and being kings that they lost their own children. You don't want that. Spend time with those two. Church, do not begrudge them time together. He couldn't come because he was going somewhere with his wife. Good! Amen! Sing the hallelujah chorus. You know, that's the man that you want. Because that kind of man is going to exemplify what a godly husband and father looks like to your young people. And that is what you want. Finally, Justin, the last thing I would say to you is make sure that you spend time in God's Word. And do not allow the pressures of life the pressures of ministry, or anything else to affect your personal relationship with the Lord. Because once again, it's easy to do. You get caught up in so many different things. I heard it when I was in Bible college. I heard it when I was in seminary from all of my professors. You know, you guys are studying and you're, and you're, and you're working hard. You've got all these classes to go to. You've got you know, ministry things that you're going to. Don't forget to spend time in the Word. Be a man of the Word. 
Be a man of the word. Several verses that, that I want to leave you here with this morning. One of them we all know, especially if you've ever worked in Awanas, approved workmen are not ashamed. 2 Timothy 2.15, study, and that word doesn't mean study, hit the book study, but it means be diligent, work hard to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A mark of God's approval is how well you know and how you handle this word. That's one of the ways to be approved before God. Do not collect this. Do not neglect it. The Word is powerful and alive. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is quick and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. People, you can't judge me. You don't know what I'm thinking. i got a book that can It knows what lies in the hearts of men. Be a man of this word. It approves you before God. It's our weapon in spiritual warfare. Paul told the believers in Ephesians 6.17 to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's our weapon in spiritual warfare. Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It will help you in times of trouble and temptation. Stay in the Word and, brother, preach the Word. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to teach the Word of God. Paul had this to say to Timothy. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. That's kind of hard to say sometimes. Preaching the Word involves confrontation with people sometimes. Loving confrontation, truthful confrontation, but confrontation. God says this, you're falling short. You need to come up to His standard. Preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. You don't have to do anything more than turn on the inspirational channels that claim to be Christian channels on the TV today to see that this verse has been totally fulfilled. Because you can find hundreds of teachers that will tell you, oh yeah, God wants you to have anything. He wants you to be rich. He's not concerned about this. He just wants you to be happy and to have everything you always wanted and you cannot hear if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me that's getting hard to find preach the word and it says these people will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myth but you be sober in all things be serious about your ministry endure hardship No, you don't want to hear it, but sometimes ministry gets hard. But endure it, Paul says, like a good soldier of Jesus Christ, endure it. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And that means, Brother Jeremy, put him up here from time to time. Put him up here. 
I was talking with Dustin just a little bit about that last night. He's going to get, you know, he's saying, oh, I dread the time that I'm going to have to stand up here. Now, brother, it's great. I will admit to you, it is different. It is different. For some reason, there, there is for me a difference when I'm standing here as opposed to when I'm standing in front of my Sunday school class. But the truth of the matter is, there really shouldn't be. Just because I'm standing here instead of there or there instead of here, does it make any difference in how I should handle this book? Not a bit. No matter which one I'm standing in front of, teach the Word, all of the Word. Don't, adul- don't adulterate it. Preach it straightforward. Preach all of it. Believe all of it. And tell it to everybody. Dustin, you've got a great opportunity. And this is a good church. I, I honestly believe this is a great church for you to have your first ministry in. Make the most of it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. Love Him, serve Him. Be a servant to these folks. Be a servant. Jesus Christ said the the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Model Jesus Christ. Serve your church family. Serve all your church family. I know you're going to focus mostly on you. But be servant to all. You can't have favorites. Serve them all. Learn all you can from people here. I know you've got some wonderful people sitting out here, people who have walked with the Lord, who have experience in ministry. Learn all you can from them. And then for yourself, I'm going to close with, I think I quoted this verse earlier. But it's, it's a good verse to close on. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in the Lord, Justin, because He's worth it. And, and Peter closes that. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And amen, Pastor Jerry. Amen. That's good, brother. I'm going to ask Dustin and Flora, if you would, don't want you to come on down here in the front. And I'm also going to ask my deacons, if you would, please come up at this time. Um, The Bible talks about in Scripture, if you would, just stand right there in the front and center. Um, Scripture talks about laying hands on people. And that's one of those passages that gets twisted oftentimes. But the idea there is, especially in the call to ministry, is that you're identifying with these folks. You're showing that you have confidence in these people. And there's an act of commissioning, if you will, to send them into the ministry uh, because of what they're getting ready to embark upon. And so that's what I want us to do today. I want us to kind of gather around them and just, just sort of identify with them as brothers and sisters in Christ, and to um, pray for them and pray for their ministry. So I also want to ask their family. If any family would like to come up here and stand with them, uh, I'm sure they'd love that support too. So if you would like to, you don't have to, but if you want to come up here and and gather close to them, you come on. And um, don't make me drag you. Uh, (laughs) But uh, 
And uh, as was challenged in the word this morning, y'all come on, y'all get front center, you get close to him, you get to hug on him. But um, as was challenged in, in the message this morning, uh, church, we, we've got a responsibility to support them, pray for them. And I want us to take very serious that, the prayers. Your pastor knows when you're praying for him. Just know it. There are days where my heart just almost melts before the Lord, and I know it's because somebody's praying. And I think you know that feeling too. We don't move by feelings. But there is something about power in prayer and knowing it. We've got to pray for them. We've got to pray for their ministry. Keep that in the forefront, if you would, please. And so, um, anyways, I'll, uh, let's, let's just take a few minutes. And as where you're at, uh, just join us in this prayer quietly in your own heart as we pray for Dustin and Flora in their ministry.